0: I'm excited today to begin our, our new series on prayer. You know, every year we we take uh, the month of January and we typically would do a series on prayer. Um, and I'm excited because we're calling it the way forward. Somebody say the way forward, the way forward. And I just I want to say it's not just like our series title, um, but it's really a declaration that we want to make for our year and moving forward, as in the title, the way forward. Um, but but I even believe it's just going to be something we carry with us throughout this year and maybe even beyond that. Um, so a declaration that we want to make um, is that as we move into 2023, um, we need a new way to live that maybe isn't new. It's actually ancient. <laughs> it's, it's not a new idea. I don't have any new ideas for you today. I have some ancient ideas for you today. Um, and, and I just really believe that and I know some of you in the room you're like you're on there But maybe some of you in the room you're like i'm not there um, I just believe that 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 we desperately need a spirituality that roots us in a different way A different way. Are you with me today? We need this is how I want to say it. The way forward is the way of jesus The way forward is the way of jesus, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a way of life See, it's not just you know, ideas that we say yes to in our mind or what we call biblical theology. It's not just you know, a list of do's and don'ts or what we call ethics. It is those things, but it's so much more. It is a way of life based on the teachings and life of Jesus. You've got to say amen to that. Come on, help me out. Um, I love what Eugene Peterson says. He says it like this. It's the way of Jesus married to the truth of Jesus that brings about the life of Jesus. The way of Jesus, married to the truth of Jesus, brings about the life of Jesus. See, a lot of us we are all truth, and that is beautiful. But maybe, maybe today you sense there is a lack of depth in your soul on the life that Jesus has on offer. He calls it the abundant life. He calls it life to the full. That there's actually life and life abundantly available to us, not when we go to heaven, but right now, here today, there is actually full life that Jesus offers for us. And it is found not in just ideas or do's and don'ts, it is found in his way. So we need the way of Jesus so that we can experience the life of Jesus. Amen? And if we have faith in Jesus, we must believe that he knew how to live. One person said, yeah, that's cool, because we're going to get there. Come on, do you, you, do you agree that Jesus knew how to live? I hope so, because he's Jesus, and he's perfect, and he doesn't do anything wrong. But Jesus knew how to live, so we must look at his life and say, what can we take from the life of Jesus and put it into our life? Normally, these are practices that we call spiritual disciplines. And I love, uh, if you never heard of Richard Foster, you're welcome, Look up Richard Foster. But I love what Richard Foster calls it. He calls it, he calls it disciplined grace. Disciplined grace. And the idea is that, um, you know, deciding that, that, that the life of Jesus or formation happens on accident is not okay. Come on, Jaime, me know you don't look like Jesus just on accident. You need intentionality. But also, on the other side of it, there's willpower that we often try to, you know, we just, mm, I'm trying to like get myself to look like Jesus. Willpower doesn't work either. We need the grace of God. That's the only way. That's the only way you're going to be actually transformed on your inner life, is the grace of God. But it takes discipline, it takes intentionality, it takes a way of life to place us right in front of God's grace so that his grace can collide with our discipline and we begin to look like Jesus. So I look at Jesus' life and I, I see that he practiced prayer, Solitude and silence, simple and sacrificial living, fasting, study and meditation on God's word and God's ways. He, he served, right? He did not come to be served. He came to serve, right? So just to name a few, we actually need a way of life that shapes us into a different image than that of the culture. Because if we're not careful, we're actually being discipled by our culture and not by Jesus. I love G.K. Chesterton. He said, a dead thing can go with the stream, but only a living thing can go against it. See, church, it's through prayer that we come alive. It's through prayer that we come alive. It's through prayer that we actually begin to go against the stream of the current. Can I tell you, the church is at its most influential and powerful when it goes against the current of the culture. That doesn't mean that we hate people. It doesn't mean that we beat people up. It doesn't mean that we say, no, 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 you're not good enough. No, no. it means the way we live our lives has to look different than our culture. I feel like I'm preaching better in the second than I am in the first. See, what we do matters. What you do matters. I say it like this. We make our decisions and then our decisions make us. And whether we like that or not, it's just reality. It's true. We need an an intentional way that allows us to be shaped into the image of Jesus, into people of love. And that way is the way of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. When When we look at discipleship, discipleship to Jesus is to order your life around three goals. Number one, be with Jesus, number two, become like Jesus, and number three, do what Jesus did. You're like, that's that's a little too simplistic for me, Stephen. Well, I think it's okay. (laughs) It's okay that we simplify it. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and then do what Jesus did. I want to spend some time today as we talk about prayer, talking about the first goal, to be with Jesus, which I think is the essence of prayer. Yes, prayer is so much. There's so many types of prayer, but I want to spend time today talking about being with Jesus, and that happens through prayer. And I want to declare, we cannot step into 2023 without prayer. I don't know how we can live a spiritual life without solitude and prayer and silence and time with the Father. I don't know how it's going to happen anymore. There's just too, there's too much going on in our culture. This thing right here, the computer in your pocket, we need to like, we need time with the Father. We need time in silence. We need time in solitude. We need time in communion with God. And one of my favorite stories about this type of prayer we're going to talk about today comes from the life of Mother Teresa. Um, It's funny, when I was younger, I used to think Mother Teresa was just like all about the earth. I didn't know that she was like a spiritual powerhouse, but she's a spiritual powerhouse. Mother Teresa um, she, she sat down and did an interview with Dan Rather, um, on 60 minutes. And she, and and he asked her, what does God say to you? She was asked what she says to God when she prays. There it is. What do you say to God when you pray? And she thought about it for a moment. And then she answered, I don't say anything. I I simply listen. And he was a little like, confused by that, and so he, he thought to himself, and then he asked, okay, well, then what is it that God says to you when you pray? Mother Teresa, she took a moment, and then she said, he doesn't say anything. He simply listens. There was a long silence with the interview, interviewer. He was a little confused, and then finally Mother Teresa, she broke the silence, and she said, uh, she said, if you can't understand that, I'm sorry, but there's not a better way I can explain it. See, the type of prayer that Mother Teresa was getting at, it sounds a little bit strange to us sometimes, a little bit alien, because when I think about prayer, I typically think about asking God for things, right? It, it, and it's a type of prayer that we would, we would call uh, petition or intercession. Even when I teach on prayer, I teach that, you know, prayer is conversation with God. It's talking with God. It's not talking to God. It's definitely not talking at God. It's talking with God. There's, con- there's conversation. There's a back and forth. And I believe that, but I actually what I want to give you today is I believe that there is a deeper level of prayer that is beneath that, and it is called communion. And you're like, we just took communion. Do you mean like just do the juice and the bread and that's like prayer? It's not, no, it's not what I'm saying. i not, ta- not talking about the sacraments. I'm talking about a way of life that allows us to be intentional to the presence of God through prayer and specifically through silence and listening. And I know I'm, I'm preaching silence and listening to a charismatic church, So this is going to go one or two ways, okay? But we must capture this practice. We must take time to actually stop talking and begin to listen, to to shut out the noise and the go, go, go of our culture and just begin to sit with God. Prayer is the ultimate experience that we have on this side of eternity with intimacy with Jesus. And I want to say this, prayer is not so much something that we say, it is not something that we do, it is something we become. That our lives would become prayer, that our lives through communion would actually be fully, would be fully attentive to God. I, I believe this is how we pray without ceasing, through communion with God. It's not transactional, it's relational. But if we look at our culture, I think something is kind of standing in our way. I think something in all of our lives, is disconnecting us from communication and communion with God. You know, a lot of us, maybe we don't have a discipline to pray, or we don't have a desire to pray, or we don't value prayer, or maybe you just simply don't even know how to pray. You want to pray, but you're like, I don't really know what to say or what to do. And that's all fine, but I think that there's even a a bigger problem, and that is that if we were to really evaluate our spiritual life, what we would find is that we are just too busy to pray. We are too busy, driven, and distracted to slow down long enough to have an active, vibrant relationship with Jesus. But as we look at the way of Jesus, we look at his life, and and I want to point out that Jesus was not in a hurry when he was on earth. He was not in a rush. He was not not stressed out. No, Jesus was relaxed. Jesus was was slow. You look at his life and he was present to the moment. He he, he was open to interruption. He would take a long time to go from village to village. He he would stop and sit at a well with a woman and strike up a conversation. He would be in a big crowd and then he would would decide that he was going to have lunch with a really short man or really wee man, as, we, as the song would say. He, he, he would wake up in the morning and he would go to lonely places, the Bible says, to pray and spend time with the Father. And often we live a life that is opposite of this. We live a life that is busy and distracted and it is disconnecting us from God. A good term for this way of life is called Hurry. Dallas Willard once called hurry the great enemy of our spiritual life in our day. Which, you know, if you ask me, what's the great enemy of spiritual life, Stephen? I'd be like, ah, sin. Like, I don't know, lust or I I don't know. I would start to think of things like sin And, and absolutely sin disconnects us from God. But there is something in this statement when you begin to think about it, how the devil he, he doesn't just want to make you sin. He also wants to distract you from communion with God. John Mark Comer says that hurry is the underlying problem that is leading to much of our spiritual unhealth and our depleted souls. From outrage culture, the anxiety epidemic, digital distraction, chronic loneliness, the suicide rate, to exhaustion and burnout, we are always going, always in a rush, stressed to the max. We are so nonstop that we hardly ever hear the voice of God, let alone connect with God. When's the last time you were in a rush to get out the door and you loved on your kids well? When's the last time you were stressed and in a hurry and in a rush and you had like a really good, deep, loving conversation with your spouse? Uh, probably never. Because we don't love well when we're rushed. We don't love well when we're hurried. We don't love well when we're too busy. We love well when we stop and take time to connect. It's no different than, than it is with God. God is not a, a cosmic power who is in, who's just invisible. No, He is a person that we can have relationship on this side of eternity. And He, it, just like our relationships on earth, requires time and connection. So I would say it like this. You can pray quick or you can connect with God. Carl Ewan says that hurry isn't of the devil, it is the devil. All of us, you can call it hurry, call it whatever you want to call it. You can make up your own name. That's up to you. It has a similar effect on our soul that sin does. It disconnects us from God. In fact, Corey Tenboom says that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And so the pace of life that we're living at is often destructive. If we would be honest this morning, maybe not everybody in the room, but if we're honest for the most part, we, we find ourselves worn out and, and, and tired and burnt out, and maybe if we're being honest, kind of miserable, (laughs) we're distracted. We have become addicted to productivity and achievement. And productivity and achievement are good things until they disconnect you from God. Work is really good. You were designed for work until work starts to become God. God has created us to live humbly, and seasonally, and at peace. He himself rested, and he established a Sabbath to remind us to regularly pause, saying, be still and know that I am God. Psalms 42 says, be still and know that I am God. This word, be still, in the Latin, it means to vacate. The same word that we use to, that, to describe taking a vacation is used here, In other words, God is inviting us to stop and to pause and to slow down because this is the context in which his presence is known. If I could paraphrase it, this this be still and know that I am God with the vacation, I could say it like this. Why don't you take a vacation from being God and let God be God instead for a change? That was for me, not you. See, one of the most counterintuitive, countercultural, easily ignored keys to a deeper, more fulfilling life is that in order to start, we must learn to stop. If we want to move forward, we need to learn to pause. We need to learn to wait on God. Like the psalmist writes wait on the Lord, and he will renew your strength. Which is hard, because we live in a culture that hates waiting. We don't know how to wait. It's why we cheat on our diet. It's why we It's why we invent things like the microwave. It's why we we pay $50 extra for 2-day delivery instead of 3-day delivery. <laughs> we we hate waiting. I love I think it's Eugene Peterson writes a book A Long Obedience in the Same Direction and one of the, the, the kind of the subtitle is is discipleship in an instant society. We need discipleship in an instant society. We need a new way to live. We need a new way to be human. And Jesus has given us that way. And for many of us, we are Christians for a long time, and we still have not discovered it because we have not observed the life of Jesus. We have only observed the truth of Jesus. And the truth is good, and the truth will set you free, but we also need to get the life of Jesus. As long as we remain enslaved to a culture of hurry and superficiality and distraction, we will not be the people that God longs for us to be. You know, I think our biggest problem is not that we're spent and tired and burnt out because most of us, we say, I'll just push through. I'm fine. Yeah, I don't don't need some guy in skinny jeans telling me to take a break. But if we're being honest, that's not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is what we lose as a result. And that is life with God. Communication and communion with God. Can I say it this way? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul in the process? Lose himself in the process? Lose herself in the process? N.T. Wright says it like this, it is only when we slow down our lives that we can catch up to God. See, our, our, our souls are crying out for a deeper life with Jesus. I don't know if you sense it, but man, I sense it. There's, and I know it's there. And I have been on a journey to discover this deeper life with Jesus that he has on offer that he's very willing to reveal to you. He's very w- willing to show to you and walk with you in this way. But if our faith is to survive for seasons to come, if our faith is to survive you know, you know, darkness and pain, if we are to be known and know Jesus in a richer, more fulfilling way, if we are to become the people of love that he has called us to be and see the world how he has called us to see it, we must make time in our busy lives to slow down to stop to reflect to listen to sit in silence to get in solitude and commune with god because the truth is is that unless we live with an intentional commitment to slowing down we have no hope for a quality of life that allows jesus to bring about spiritual formation in us can i tell you that there is a way of life that can enable us to deeply connect with god And it is a lifestyle that is not dominated by hurry and exhaustion. It is a life that is dominated by margin and joy. Spirituality that roots us in a different way, the way of Jesus. Are you with me today, church? One practice that's been changing mine and my wife's life is the Sabbath. We've actually been observing the Sabbath, 24-hour period. We turn everything off and we start with a meal with friends Um, and, and, and we, we, I love how Eugene, I keep doing Eugene Peterson, but he's just, he's my favorite. So Eugene Peterson says that the Sabbath is to play and to pray. And it's, it's a rhythm of life where every seven days we stop and we turn off stuff and we disconnect from work. We celebrate and we worship God. And it's been changed in our life. In fact, I'm going to preach part two of this message, um, this Friday night, but it's at our young adults gathering. So you have to be 18 to 30 ish is what we're saying. 30-ish. You know, you know if you're a young adult or not. I'll leave that up to you. If you're, if you're in your 50s, we'll have a conversation. Um, and I might add that there will be free pizza if that makes you want to come. It's this Friday, 6 p.m. Anyways. <laughs> Selfish plug. Outside of Sabbath, I have found life and, and soul health. I realized before we went on sabbatical, my soul was depleted. I wasn't necessarily burnt out, but my soul was empty. I had... I had, I guess, I had exhausted spiritual life with God. I he, I had I begun to come to Him as duty rather than relationship, as a job. Can I just be really transparent today? Is that okay? As a job rather than relationship, but but something happened in our sabbatical where we actually took time to stop and rest and slow down and I realize you maybe you're saying well we don't have time to go on the sabbatical and it's not the point the point is, is that we can create a daily rhythm where we actually make time and margin for for, for silence and solitude and, and and slowing down and and through that practice I believe that God he begins to reveal things it's not that he does a magic trick and then all of a sudden you're good it's that he reveals things that you can begin to walk in that bring about soul health and I have found soul health in and being in God's presence by myself, being in silence so that I can hear the voice of God and ultimately have communion with him. I think that, of course, when we pray this way, we need to be discerning and biblical and radically focused on Jesus. But can I tell you, it's the Bible that teaches us to do this. The Bible's filled with examples of this type of prayer. Let's look at the Psalms, Psalms 19. This is David. May the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. We think meditation is like Eastern religion. we think meditation belongs to Buddha. No, meditation belongs to Jesus, where you don't you, do, you don't just empty your mind, you fill your mind with the light with the life and the word and the truth of Jesus. David meditated on on God 's truth day and night, and he says, "May it be pleasing in your sight psalms." 62, he says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. Again, he says, the Lord himself invites us to be still and know that I am God. But in Psalms 37, he says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently on him. I think of the silent prayer of Hannah. I think of of Paul who was caught up to paradise and he heard inexpressible things that he was not permitted to tell. I I think of John in the book of Revelation. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And what happened? He fell over like a dead person. And he heard behind him a voice like a loud trumpet. There are so many examples. One of my favorite is, 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 is Elijah. But I even think of Jesus. Jesus was regularly active in preaching and healing and casting out demons. But we know that his life would be self-contradicting if it were not for the, the countless hours spent in solitude and silence with the Father. The Bible says that he got up and he went to lonely pra- places to pray. He got baptized in Luke 4, and then he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. You think 21's hard? Try 40. Fasting and praying. No doubt for 40 days, he didn't just talk. He probably listened. And then I think of Elijah. Elijah, when God appeared to him after he was on the run from Jezebel, he was suicidal, he was depressed, and God told Elijah to stand and wait for the presence of the Lord to pass by, and God did not appear like he had in the past. He, he didn't appear in the wind like he did with Job. He didn't appear in the earthquake like he did on Mount Sinai in the giving of the Ten Commandments. He didn't appear in the fire like he did with Moses in the burning bush. No, this time God finally reveals himself to Elijah in a sound of sheer silence, which is the literal translation of 1 Kings nineteen twelve. by the way. See, the, the translation we often read is a, a gentle whisper or a still small voice, right? But actually, it doesn't capture the original Hebrew. But the, the translators didn't know how to, how to write. How do you hear silence? You don't. But it's there. God's close presence is not in noise. It's in silence. It's not in rushing. It's in slowing. I think of Mother Teresa's prayer and, and all these, you know, examples in the bible and 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 i and i it takes me it takes me back because she she says she listens but listens to what if god is also listening what's happening in the in between i think that we need to know as followers of jesus that there are moments where god is silent there are moments where god is not speaking to you but he's with you can i tell you that god's silence does not mean that he is absent but there are reasons that he is silent. And if you're anything like me, you know, you grew up in church and, 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 and I've, heard, I've preached this, um, that, that, that God is always speaking. We're just not listening. And I believe that. But I also believe that God speaks in more ways than just words. For even his, just his presence speaks a word. That he's close to us. That he's near us. That he's with us. That he wants to be with us. So, a couple reasons for silent prayer, and I, I feel like they're pretty important. Number one is that silence can act as a purification for us. If you're thinking about, you're hearing me talk about silence, and you're like, sounds kind of boring. Well, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's amazing, and sometimes it's boring. But I love what Rich Velotas says about this he says, think of boredom during silent prayer as an act of purification. In this uneventful moment, God purifies us of the false God of good feelings. While good feelings are gifts, they can easily become ends in themselves. We can move from worshiping the living God to worshiping our spiritual experiences. And this is a fine line that we must be mindful of. The ever-urgent need for people growing in relationship with God is the willingness to endure moments that are far from inspirational. Said no charismatic ever. You want us to engage with God with no inspiration? No can do. See, but this is what I've found is this is really important because if we're not careful, we worship our spiritual experience rather than God. Can Can I give you an indicator? If you stop worshiping because worship becomes boring or you don't feel like worshiping, you might be worshiping a spiritual experience rather than God. If you don't pray because you don't feel like it, you might be worshiping an experience instead of God. Or you might just have never actually encountered God in the way you were created to encounter Him. You don't know that prayer is actually life-giving. You don't know prayer is, is, is central to the life of the believer. If you don't read your Bible because you don't feel like reading your Bible, you might be worshiping experiences rather than God. <laughs> And we need to take time. I know it sounds, it doesn't sound very fun. But we, need to t- we need to take time and be willing to endure moments that are far from inspirational, as Rich Valotis says. See, my knee-jerk reaction as, is, is to avoid silence. If my wife was here, she's sick at home. I think she's watching. Hey, babe. if she was here, she'd nod her head that I used to hate silence. Like I needed something going. I needed like, even when I sleep at night, I need a fan. You know, I hate silence. Um, And I'm starting to love silence. Um, In fact, studies show that most humans don't just hate silence. They are fearful of silence. They did a study with a big group of people and they found that the average person could last 15 seconds in silence before they needed to break it. We don't like silence, maybe for many reasons. It could be trauma. It could be other deeper reasons that we need to get to the root of. But it also, I think it could be because we live in a day and age where we have so trained our brains for constant excitement, stimulation, entertainment, and distraction. Hello, iPhone, Netflix, social media, sports, and video games. You know who you are. I'm talking to myself. Right? We, 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 are, we live in a constant dopamine hit Culture. I don't know what to do if I'm not getting dopamine. I remember being a kid and just being like, I'm bored. My brother was like, Me too. And it was like, Okay, let's go find something to do, right? We would go outside, we would touch grass. I know that sounds crazy. We touched grass. I I just remember being bored was a part of life. Anybody else? I know you're like, you're not that old, Stephen. But listen, I'm 31 and I'm getting there. I I remember just being bored was a part of life. But now it's like, I'm never bored. When I'm bored, it's like iPhone. When I'm bored, it's Netflix or sports or video games. I find constant dopamine hits. And so then we get into God's presence in prayer and we're like, I'm bored. There's no dopamine. There's nothing going on. And he's silent. He's purifying us. We can't worship our feelings. And feelings are important. Our feelings reveal things to us that we need to know, but they are not God. Secondly, silence is good because it reminds us that God wants to share presence with us. Can I tell you, there's no such thing as being a professional at prayer. We are always beginners at prayer. The moment you think you mastered prayer, you did something else. Prayer is not to be mastered prayer to continue, continue to be discovered. There are times when I spend time with Jesus in and, and silence and, 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 and solitude, and, and, and I can sense his love and his mercy and the peace of God, and, and I get a revelation, and I'm like, God, you're so good. I gotta write that down. It's so good in the new, new House of the Lord journal. I gotta write it down. It's at the coffee shop for $5. You should get one. And I write it down. And then there are times where, where I get nothing, and I just sit there. And, and in the past, I'd be like, all right, well, time to move on. But I have begun to say, okay, God, I want to spend time with you too. Because like close friends, even just the ordinary mundane moments are a gift because we are sharing presence. Like if you've ever been with somebody that you love and you don't need to have conversation, you can actually sit in silence. Like with my, with my wife, like we'll, we'll drive somewhere or we'll sit on the couch and we'll have great conversation, but there are also times where We don't have to say anything. Just our body language begins to speak. We're just with each other. And I think that as the people of God, we need to capture, we need to understand that God just sometimes wants to just be with you. He doesn't always have to give you revelation. He doesn't always have to be doing something on the inside of you. Sometimes he just wants to be your father and you his daughter, you his son. And just, I'm here. I choose you, God. I want to waste time with you because I love you. So silent prayer is one of the greatest gifts that we have to experience intimacy and formation with Jesus as the band comes and helps me close. Because I want to tell you, at the core, please hear me, at the core of silent prayer, we establish a relationship with God based on friendship rather than demands. On lordship rather than him as a genie. On him as our desire rather than just when we need something from him. Are you still with me, church? I'm sorry, I've been so calm today. And there are many times to make requests to God and, and cry out to God and petition God and intercede. Absolutely, the book of Psalms shows us that, 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 that verbal prayer is, is central to the life of the believer. And God wants us to come, with him, come to him with every need that we have, but what I've discovered is that prayer is about presence before it's about anything else. That prayer does not begin with outcomes. Prayer does not begin with just the requests and the things that I need. No, prayer is the free choice to be with the Father, to prefer His company. I know I'm talking about this, so maybe it sounds mysterious and unattainable, but I actually believe that this kind of prayer is for every single believer. In fact, I believe emphatically that if you've been following Jesus for a while, you've probably already encountered this presence of God in this way. You're just not aware of it. And the truth is, is that if we would just continue with what we know, if we would just continue to do what we do, I actually believe that we can grow and go deeper in prayer, in relationship with God quite naturally and enjoyably. I know that's quite the claim. Enjoyably. You can enjoy prayer, I promise. I promise that if you'll make a discipline, if you'll make it a habit, if you'll make it a pattern of your life, you will begin to enjoy prayer and enjoy the presence of God. It will not be duty. It will not be because I have to. It will not be because I'm supposed to. It will be, it will be my choice because I want to. I want to be with God. I want to be in his presence. Oh, his presence is heaven to me. There is a spiritual realm that we are so unaware of because we never stop. We never, we, we're so busy. We are so driven, just accomplishing and doing achievements. And we're just, it's noble though. We work and we work and we work and we're noble because we never rest. And the person who rests is not noble anymore. The person who, who, who kills themselves because they work so hard, that's the noble person. But God says, I have a different way of life for you. I have a new way for you to be human. I have a new way for you to begin to walk things out. Look at my life. What does he say? He says, if you're tired, come to me and I will show you how to take a real rest. He doesn't say I'll do a magic trick and you'll experience rest because I am your rest and it's a spirit, no, no. He says, I will show you, walk with me, talk with me, go with me, go where I go, follow my ways and do what I do and I will show you what real rest looks like, to rest in its favor, to rest in the Father. Listen to me, listen to me, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But are we really experiencing that? When's the last time you were just in contemplation in the presence of God and you went, oh Lord, your yoke is so easy. Your burden is so light. No, oftentimes, God, your burden is so heavy, but I know I can do it. If I just keep going, if I just keep pushing, God, I know that you'll be faithful to show up and he is so often because he's just so good, but I just feel like in 2023, he's saying, I'm giving you a new way to be human. I'm giving you a new way to walk forward. Look at my way of life. We need the truth of God. Oh, we need, the, we need the way of God so that we can experience the life of God. Are you with me? Is anybody with me today? Thank you. As I close, I just, I, 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 you have to know, like, okay, Stephen, give us the 15 points then to, to, to a better, deeper, fulfilling prayer life. No, because I can't because prayer cannot be simply taught and we will teach all month on prayer. We need to, we need to learn how to pray but then we got to go actually pray. See, can I tell you how to learn prayer? This is really profound. This is profound. Um, go pray. I had all these quotes but I was like it's going to take too long to read all these quotes but how these like like quotes of these spiritual giants they were like to learn how to pray is to pray. Just over and over guys I've, I've seen it everywhere. If you want to know how to pray, pray. How do we pray? By praying. The moment you try to get prayer right is the moment you got prayer wrong. If we would just actually just go and be with be with our father like we are his child, we would be praying. I'm all for putting boundaries on it. I'm all for putting descriptions on it. I'm all for going to the Bible and seeing it. I'm all for it. But if we don't actually go pray, we won't ever know how to pray. And we continue to look at people and go, man, I wish I could pray like that. You can. You can. You can pray like that through daily habits rhythms patterns and a new way to live see prayer is learned by discovery I know that the moon is 200,000 miles away 238,000 miles away I googled it so I'm right I looked it up I know that it's more than just like this night in the light sky that's there sometimes and not there other times because the sun and all the stuff and all the science. I know that it's a mass. I know that it's solid. I know that you can walk on it and touch it. See, I know that, but Neil Armstrong has discovered that. Whether you're a conspiracy theorist or not, just go with me there. You're like, no, he didn't. That's fake. It's Hollywood. Calm down, okay? Hear, Hear my heart. Those are two different experiences entirely, to to know about it and to actually discover it. See knowledge is just hearsay. It's just memorizing facts, but but we need to understand that it takes a personal experience to discover it. Say you could sit down at a restaurant and you could pick up a menu and you can look at every description of every entree and you can talk about what sounds tasty to your friends and to your spouse. You go, I think I'm going to get this or I might get that. I might get this. I don't know yet. Oh, this one's so good. You see what's on that? So tasty. You can watch the plates come out and smell the food and you can watch other people take the first bite and see their reaction. But all of that, none of that actually solves your hunger. It doesn't solve anything in you. It's not until you take a first bite that you taste and see of the goodness of God. Come on, somebody. We gotta actually take a bite. You can watch every romantic comedy ever produced and you can read about love and read about romance and and you can can go to a wedding and tear up at a ceremony and you can admire the couple that's celebrating their 50th anniversary because it's just amazing. But all of that is just to simply know about love. True love requires personal experience. You have to actually go on a first date and get the butterflies in your stomach. You have to actually put yourself out there and tell the person how you feel without guaranteed reciprocation. You have to say vows in front of friends and family and hold the wrinkled hand of your spouse after decades of ordinary days and unexpected changes because true life, true love requires personal experience. Church, hear me today. You can can read all about prayer. You can, you can read all the revival stories. You can memorize all the Bible verses on prayer. You can hear sermon after sermon, podcast after podcast, read book after book. You can memorize the facts or we can make a decision to live in daily relationship with God through prayer, processing the extraordinary, the devastating, the confusing, all the everyday, average, mundane moments with the God who is attentive and the God who is with us and the God who sees us and the God who listens to us and the God who is near and close. Because prayer, it requires discovery. There's this phrase that I've been saying to myself. I promise I'm almost done. Conclusion. There's this phrase I've been saying to myself. I, I say this to myself and it's been helping me immensely. I say, start where you are, not where you should be. In fact, if you got a House of the Lord journal, you can write that down. These shameless plugs, I'm sorry. Start where you are, not where you should be. Don't let somebody who's spiritual and and, and, and harsh tell you that you're not good enough or you're not spiritual enough. Or, or, oh, well, when you get to this. No, no, no. Just start where you are, not where you should be. And if you'll start where you are, somewhere along the way, you will make the most important discovery of your life. Friends, love the father has for you in a world that for the most part rejects him ignores him chooses any other distraction over him i wonder how much it blesses the heart of the father when his children say god i want to spend time with you god i choose you over every other distraction god i want to waste time with you i woke up 15 minutes early today so that i could just sit in your presence and it's okay if i don't feel anything god i just want to be with you Oh, I woke up an hour early because, oh God, I just, I want to be with you. Oh, Stephen, I, we don't, I don't have time. Make time. You have time. We have to make time. We have to create a new way to live, a new way to be. The way forward, friends, is, is the way of Jesus. Can you receive that today? Can you say amen? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, pray with me today. Pray with me today. Jesus, we just... We come humbly because not one person in this room has it figured out. Not one person in this room has prayer figured out or you figured out. God, we are all, man, the more we know, the more we don't know. But God, we we, we want to step in. As we step into 2023, Jesus, we want to step into the mystery of discovery with you, God, that there are mysteries and truths and, and treasures to be found in your presence, God. And we, we, we set ourselves before you humbly today, God. And we say... We want to make a decision that 2023 would, be not, would not be marked with achievement and status and money and jobs. Those things are all awesome, but 2023 would be marked by your presence, God. It would be marked by being with you. It'd be marked by getting lost in wonder, love, and praise, Jesus. We just want to be with you. You are our Father, and we're your children. And that would, from from that place, God, everything would would go from there. God, that all of our doing would come from our being, that we would be with you, and through our being we would be able to do for you. I know the Holy Spirit's already, He's already pointing things out in your life. Maybe there's some changes that we need to make. Maybe there's some habits that we need to begin to take on. Maybe there's an alarm we need to set, that we need to wake up just a little bit early. Listen to me, friends. It's not religion. It's not law. It's love. It's love got to get out of this law and religion talk. I understand it and I'm all for it and I preach it, but but let's move past it. It's not law, it's love. God, I don't, I don't want to wake up earlier and pray because of law, but because of love. And all of our prayer, Jesus, it would come from a place of love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing on the inside of us, God. God, I pray the moments that we've had today together would, would actually go go into our tomorrow. God, that you would be with us tomorrow, God, as we set to day two to pray and to fast. God, we know you're with us. We know you're for us. God, and we come in agreement as a church, God, we, we just ask you to hear our prayers, hear our cry, God, as we come in agreement and pray for the things that we just know are important. I love you, Jesus. Lord, pray for anybody that's in the room today as we close and you haven't given your life to this Jesus that we're talking about. He's, this word that we call salvation and is the free gift of God that Jesus would wipe away all your sins and he would forgive you by you simply receiving his grace and forgiveness in a moment see all of the things that we're talking about today it all starts with salvation we're talking about daily relationship but there is a relationship that begins through a a decision that we make and so I just want to give an opportunity if there's anybody in the room today your life and you're saying, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I want to make him the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand so I can pray for you so I can see you, so God can see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're watching online and, and you're receiving, you're saying, I'm going to receive Jesus as my Savior today. Text HOTL to 97000. Maybe because we want to connect with you. We want to we walk this thing out together. Would you stand to your feet today?